Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour and 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 24th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. I bring in studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market on everything regarding your money. I'm here to help you in today's economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for today's show, Shannon Affholter with Master Builder Association, attaining housing, the demand for housing for significantly outpaced residential housing supply is my conversation with Shannon today. Also in studio, I have Vivian Peterson with Windermere Real Estate Shoreline. Before purchasing a home, is it feng shui? It'll be a fun conversation with Vivian today. And last guest in studio, Scott Schaff with SW Growth, and we're talking about credit, credit understanding, understanding credit and credit repair. Great information and great guest in studio today. For more information on any of the topics discussed or topics that you'd like to hear on future shows, please feel free to call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And to start out today's show, as always, we'll have a little money chat. Money. Money. to talk about the single close single close program which is a permanent loan uh, consisting of construction and permanent financing uh, financing is available for ground up construction major remodel projects and teardowns this is really a great opportunity uh, with the um, challenge that we're having in the market right now if you've got an opportunity to to uh, build your own home using a single close a uh, single close construction loan or also rehab so it's a really great opportunity if you own a home right now and there's just nothing available in the market for you to be able to rehab and make your home new and make it your dream home. This is a great product to be able to do that. So it is for primary residents only, not for investors. Uh, 90% maximum loan to value. Uh, again, it can be used for purchase, uh, new construction, purchasing uh, land and building your own home, rehab. It's for one unit properties. The construction term is for 12 months. It's interest only during the construction loan period, and then it'll turn into um, an actual full principal and interest. Uh, mortgage. The maximum loan amount is conforming high balance. So in our area here, that would be 592,250 uh, with minimum credit score of 680. Now eligible property is again, single family home. So in ineligible is uh, non-occupied properties, cash outs not available for cash out or owner builder, uh, builder specs, are not available or condos. So the loan to value calculation, so again, it goes up to 90%. It's the lesser of the um, acquisition cost or appraised value. And if the borrower is on the title of the lot, structure and refinance, and the LTV is based on the site value from the appraisal, 
and the cost of the construction or appraised value, whichever is less. So if the borrower purchases a lot, the structure as purchased and the LTV based it is on the lot price and the cost of contract or the appraised value, whichever is less. Now, the steps for the construction loan first is the credit application process. So this is going to be uh, for the borrower um, for uh, on the loan. So they're going to go through that process. And you can actually do at the same time the builder uh, acceptance as well. So they're going to go through an approval process, uh, documents, paper, uh, paper documents that they're going to have to complete and provide for the lender. So you can kind of go through that process at the same time. And you're going through credit approval, you know, just like you would for a standard process. You're going through credit approval for you as the borrower as well as the approval again for the builder. Now, step four is going to be the collateral approval. So collateral on the property underwriting for the construction loan goes through the construction lending process. Uh, step five is your prior to closing. So conference calls occur between the construction department and the builder, as well as the uh, the buyer or the borrower on the loan are all involved in those uh, conference calls. The next step is the loan closing. So the loans close prior to the construction. And uh, step seven is the construction phase. So once the loan is funded, as the house is getting built through the construction draws are made to the builder, interest-only payments are made by the borrower during that time. And then the last is your permanent phase. So the permanent phase is once the loan, um, it's going to reclose to a fully amortized first mortgage, permanent housing payment begins. So those are the steps through the process. Now, the loan cannot be increased after closing because the loan is closed and is a final amount. So the borrower must pay for any of the charge order change orders. Uh, this can be done, but the lender must be notified of any of those change orders in excess of 5% of the loan amount. Uh, contingency reserve may be established to cover costs uh, such as this, because a lot of times you can see that, uh, that happen. Now, the inspections are performed by third-party approved inspectors uh, with the uh, mortgage lender. The original appraisal is always requested to perform the final inspection once the home is completed. Uh, the borrower cannot act as his own contractor. Uh, majority of the time, they're going to want to have an actual uh, builder and again, going through that process. Uh, you're going to collect typically there's seven draws for the inspection. So you can take as many or as few as you want on these. If you take more than seven, then you're going to, there's uh, charges for the additional inspections when the construction is completed. And if you take less, the inspection fees that were collected are credited back to you. Uh, the builder decides on the phases for the draw. So uh, dedicated to the dispersant scheduled for the builder has to follow as long as it is reasonable. And if the builder cannot complete the project in 12 months, because again, the construction period is for a 12 month period, uh, you have the, uh, the ability to extend the loan to allow for more time, but the fee is going to be um, assessed at that time. So it can get a little spendy if you go past that. So you want to make sure that things are staying uh, online and on time for those construction processes. So just a little bit about a construction loan. There's a lot that goes into it, but it really is a great opportunity. And I really wanted to uh, talk to people that are currently own homes right now and are having challenges finding the home that they want. They're concerned about selling and being able to find another home, that there is an alternative in using a construction loan outside of your standard uh, refinance or the standard re 
rehab loan. This is just a little bit different than that. So any more information, uh, please feel free to call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 And coming up next in the Money Hour, attainable housing, the demand of housing for significantly outpaced residential housing supply. Shannon Affolter with Master Builder Association right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Vivian Peterson is your local real estate professional with Windermere Shoreline. Over the past 30 years, Seattle has flourished into a booming metropolitan city, and Vivian has had the pleasure to experience it all. She is always looking forward to helping new families and friends with their next move. Find her online at VivianPeterson.com. Hi, I'm Vivian Peterson. Give me a call at 206-818-8020 or email me at vpeterson at windermere.com. Are you a woman in business or a brand that wants to help them figure out how to take their business to the next level? Do you have questions about how to effectively and safely use social media to build your brand and business? Are you ready to live your purpose out loud every single day, but not sure how to make it happen? Are you looking to start a thriving business, uncover new ideal clients, or find your dream job? Have you been trying to put your brand story together, but keep getting stuck? Deborah Trapin of D11 Consultants is a well-respected expert who speaks, writes, and consults on the topics of personal brand, digital marketing strategies, and living a fired-up life. Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting helps entrepreneurs build businesses and lives they love by attracting ideal clients with a solid brand message and simple digital marketing strategies. Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting is passionate about inspiring entrepreneurs to define their personal brand to build a business and life they love. Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting is excited to help you get fired up and on your way to building a successful business and life. This is Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting. To learn more about my firm, connect with me on social media, or sign up for a free consultation, please visit my website, d11consulting.com. Be sure to sign up to fire up on my email list and you will receive a free core values exercise to get you started defining your personal brand and building a life you love. If you prefer email, send me a note at Deborah at D11consulting.com. Again, to learn more about my services, connect with me on social or sign up to fire up, visit D11consulting.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 24th show. Each week, I share expert advice and inside knowledge on today's economy and how it affects our money and what's happening in the local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions and connect you with the guests that I have in studio. Please call at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411 
$7.50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And right now in studio, I have Shannon Affholter with Master Builder Associations. We're going to be talking about attaining housing. The demand for housing has significantly outpaced residential housing supply. Shannon, thank you so much. First time in studio. It's great Uh, to be here, Tina. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and a little bit about Shannon. Uh, Shannon is the executive director of Master Builder Associations in King and Snohomish counties, uh, the largest and oldest local home builder association in the nation. Previously, he has the vice president of business and economic development of Economic Alliance Snoqualmie, Snohomish County. While there, he advanced strategic growth plans, advocated on behalf of business, and fostered economic development in the region. He also has elected to serve two terms on the Everett City Council prior to his tenure at Economic Alliance Snohomish County. Affolter was a business development executive at the regional accounting firm of Moss Adams and an accountant executive with Merck. He holds an MBA for Western Washington University and a bachelor's of business administration for Pacific Lutheran University. And It'll be a great conversation, a little bit about what's happening in the housing market. Right. So for all of my uh, buyers out there looking at purchasing properties and for sellers to see what's happening in the, the demand. So let's talk about first about Master Builders Association. Tell my listeners a little bit about uh, the organization. Well, you mentioned a little bit just earlier, um, we're the uh, largest and oldest uh, local home builders association in the country. We have just a little bit over 2,800 member companies. Uh, and most people probably know of the uh, of the NBA through a lot of the advocacy work that we do within the region. Uh, we do a tremendous amount of work uh, dealing with policies uh, in regards to the residential building industry at the local mm-hmm. level, at the county level, and obviously at the state level. Uh, we also provide some great products for our members. Uh, we have uh, uh, one of the largest health insurance trusts. We insure about 33,000, 34,000 individual lives uh, mm-hmm. through our health insurance. Uh, through Regents. We also uh, do a lot of uh, L&I claims management through our, our retro program. Uh, you know, individuals can buy gasoline through us. So we have a lot of different products that people can, can utilize. Uh, we do a lot of educational classes for our members. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have a real strong presence in the Puget Sound, and uh, it's a it's a great organization with great members. Yeah, and it's really great for the, the business professionals to be able to come together right. and really learn from each other, have those resources. It's great for consumers because it's a resource to find experts, the best of the best in the industry and what they're doing. So, yeah, I've been a part of Master Bill Association MBA for uh, quite a while. So, yeah. great organization. Yeah, just the networking and the relationships that yes. you build with other professionals is, uh, uh, you know, really helps people grow their business. So that's a, another key component of the of the association as well. Yes. So let's get into home ownership. And do you feel that owning a home is still part of the American dream? Yeah. I you know I, I really do. I think you know if you look at the data, the millennials, uh, two thirds of the millennials, uh, you know, really want to buy a home someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unfortunate thing here in the Puget Sound, seventy eight percent of them just can't afford a home in this area. Uh, as we all know, uh, the prices of home are escalating. And it's just tough for people to buy that first home for them. But I believe the American dream is still out there. It's just how can we help them afford it? So when you're talking about the millennials millennials having to wait because of the home prices rising, isn't it a good thing that the home prices are increasing? Well, it's both good and bad. I mean, it's good if you're going to sell. But the Mm -hmm. the challenge is if you're going to sell it but still try to buy in the local market, it's tough because there's just not a lot of supply out there. 
so I, you know, I, the prices are escalating and they're high. Uh, if you're going to sell your home and leave the market, I think that's a, uh, that's a positive. But if you're going to try to sell your home and try to buy an, another home, it's very challenging right now. Yeah. And I know we were talking earlier before coming into yeah. the studio of, uh, you know, really being seeing a time when, when the inventory shortage is that we're going to have a solution here. And it's just hard to see that with all of the, uh, you know, the people coming into our area for the employment. We were talking about uh, the difference in our price here right. in our market versus the Bay Area. And, you know, we've heard for a while that we're the next Bay Area. And yeah. it seems that we are. Well, we're uh, heading in that direction. Yeah, we're heading in that direction. We yeah. might not be there yet, but yeah, you know, we're just the, the law of economics with sl- supply and demand. Uh, the demand is so high yeah. uh, for people to want to buy homes, but the supply is extremely low right now. And you know, we're, we're kind of um, we're blessed and cursed at the same time. You know, we have a great uh, uh, region to live in, uh, just with the environment that we get to enjoy. Uh, we have great. Uh, uh, you know, companies to work for and good paying jobs. So it's a very attractive place to be. But at the same time, you have a, a, a low supply of homes for people to buy. So with the demand high and the supply low, there goes your prices. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, housing crisis and, and uh, other reasons behind that. Right. Well, I think a few other reasons, not just because of the uh, demand is high and supply is low. I think, you know, one of the things that um, that's challenging for our area is uh, just a lack of buildable lands. Uh, yes. That's one area that's real tough because of the the Growth Management Act that came into uh, into effect in the early 1990s. Uh, most people may or may not realize that there's certain urban growth mm-hmm. boundaries where only growth can take place, which is a good thing uh, because it's helped to to minimize some of the sprawl that you know we want to try to to minimize here in our region. But at the same time. Uh, you have a lack of billable lands now because of all the building that's been taking place over the last few decades. So that's one. The other thing is just the regulatory costs that take place um, for builders. I mean, there are just yeah. more and more costs being placed upon builders, and because of the cost, that cost is being transferred to the to the uh, to the to the purchasers. Mm-hmm. So you have that, and the other challenge you have is you know you have the the mentality of you know no density or no growth in my own backyard, yes. which in a way does put uh, extra cost upon. Uh, upon the end product, because if you're a, a, a builder and you're going to build something and you have to fight those legal fights, again, those are going to be extra costs that are placed upon the end user or the purchaser of that home. So you have a, a variety of issues that's taking place, not just because we have a lack of supply, but a lack of buildable lands. Yeah. Um, and it's just hard to find land out there to buy. To, to build upon. Exactly. And, you know, I've actually, I went to uh, the Master Build Association to really find the top builders in the area. Right. I do a lot of education for my real estate uh, professionals, and I had a builder panel that came in and learned so much of what's happening. And it's it was a, it was a challenging right. educational uh, piece to hear all of the challenges that they're having. Also, I had Randy Banneker yeah. come in. And, you know, so growth management, I mentioned Randy because of the Growth Management right. Act. And uh, he did he did put some, uh, some positive positive uh, and not so positive spins on that. But what are the chances of getting some changes there? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, again, I think there's some great things that the Growth Management Act has done, yes. uh, obviously, but there's some challenges, you know, that came into place, as I said, in the early 1990s. And I think right now, uh, what we're asking is just a, a time to review it. Yes. I think it's just a time. It's uh, due time. It's due time just yeah. to review what's working mm-hmm. and what's not working. Yep. Not a, a total changeover, but I think, uh, you know, our, our ask to our local county governments and in, in the government in the, in down in Olympia is just a time to review what's taking place and, and really do an analysis on, you know, is there any areas that we can improve upon with the Growth Management Act? Yeah. And I don't know what those are here today. Mm-hmm. 
but it really hasn't a had a whole other show. It really, yeah, hmm. it, and it hasn't had a real deep dive review, and that's what we're asking for. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit more about in you know the Northwest and other reasons for uh, the value increasing. Uh, what are you seeing? Well, uh, I think the uh, the other value which I mentioned earlier is just the uh, the good paying jobs that we have in this area with the the high tech industry, with the manufacturing industry. The aerospace industry, mm-hmm. you just have a lot of uh, people who want to move here, yes. uh, who are obviously being paid uh, very well, so they have the, the income to pay higher prices. So I think that's one of the areas uh, what's causing the the, the increase in the uh, of of um, prices of home as well. Uh huh. And then we talked about it earlier with Silicon Valley. I mean, with all the the California the um, payroll taxes, right. and so they're bringing in their satellite company, you know, satellites to their companies right. here. So it's just the employment is is crazy and the growth that we're seeing there. So what about the cities um, that are seeing the highest growth, Shannon? Well, obviously, Seattle, yes. uh, Everett, uh, Bellevue, French Away, Renton, Sammamish, uh, 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 Lake Stevens, Marysville, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty much the whole Puget Sound yeah. area is growing like crazy. <laughs> All of our markets. Yeah, so yeah. I think if you just take any city into Puget Sound, you're going to see a tremendous growth right yeah. now. And what do you, what's your thought on Tacoma? Because I, I hear there's going to be some great, uh, great things appreciation happening in Tacoma here, and not the too far. Well, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, good growth uh, mm-hmm. in Tacoma and Everett. I think what's taking place is as prices continue to escalate in King County. Uh, to afford a home, people are going to have to move further and further away. Yes, and, and so I think that's an advantage to Tacoma and forever to take advantage of those individuals who want to to move there because they can afford a home there. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, is then you can have more people on the roads. Yeah, and I mean traffic continues to be a, a huge issue. Uh, I live in Everett and drive the Bellevue every single day, and, and probably in my four years at the NBA, you can definitely see traffic continue to increase yeah. uh, and become more challenging every year. So. I do think Tacoma has a lot of upside. Uh, Tacoma is, you know, is doing some great things with their downtown and with mm-hmm. the and with the area there. Uh, and the same thing with Everett. I think those cities have an opportunity to take advantage of it if they want to. Yeah, and there's a lot of great things going on right now in Bothell. Yeah, you know, yep. lots of lots of growth in there, especially with their downtown area. And Bellevue's yes. doing a great job. Uh, yeah. So, and you know, so I think the. Um, you know, with those other cities, and because of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, people willing to look at other cities because th- th- they may be a little bit more affordable than the city of Seattle, uh-huh. which, you know, right now the city of Seattle, their average single home um, uh, right now is a little bit over $700,000. For Snohomish County, it's a little bit over four hundred thousand. For all of King County, it's a little bit over six hundred thousand. So, you know, for that first home buyer or that middle income family, uh, they're getting priced out of Seattle yeah. pretty quickly. And the scary thing is, is they're getting priced out of rent as well. I right. mean, the rent, the rent prices. That's again another whole show on what's happening with uh, with rent prices. Um, so we talked about the Growth Management Act, you know, a little bit. And but I, you know, if we've got a listener that's just you know asking the question. Why can't we just build more homes? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could do that. You know, it takes time to build homes. I yeah. think uh, people, uh, a couple things people don't realize, you know, from the time you purchase land, if you can find land to purchase, yeah. you know, it, it's a it's a couple year process. One, to, 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 to find the land right now. Mm-hmm. Finding land is not easy to do. Uh, to go through the permitting process and to, to, to get the entitlements and uh, and the permits through the city, that takes time now. Obviously, some cities are easier to work with than others. Uh, and then they actually go in and build the house. And, and again, unfortunately, uh, you know, you have some uh, municipals or some cities, excuse me, where it's tough to build because yeah. you constantly may be battling, uh, you know, the local neighborhood group who puts up a legal battle. 
uh, or you have the neighborhood groups who, who aren't necessarily in favor of, of that, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, development that's taking place. Yeah. So it, it, it takes time. And the other thing most people don't realize, uh, you know, with over 2,800 member companies, 85% of our members are 10 employees or less. And I think there's this, uh, uh, this image that home builders are these large corporations uh-huh. who are coming into the area and kind of taking over the world. And it's not, it's not the case. You, the majority of the builders are just small uh, family-owned businesses who do yeah. great work, who want to be a good neighbor and provide sure. great benefits to the community. And, you know, they don't have all this extra resources to go into a neighborhood if they have to constantly fight the local neighbors. Yeah. Uh, so it takes time to go in and build a house uh, within the cities that we live and work in. Yeah. Well, I'm in Newcastle. My husband's actually running for uh, Newcastle Councilman. Hey. And uh, he doesn't want to see the growth. I do. But, hey, I shouldn't say that on uh, out loud yeah. that I am not uh, have all the same um, beliefs as my husband does. But so there's a lot of that going on in, in you know, Newcastle. But um, so let's talk about solutions. Do you see, Shannon, uh, solutions of making homes more affor- affordable for? Uh, for everyone? Well, I think it's not going to, I mean, there's no silver bullet and we're not going to figure that out today. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, over time, I think one thing, uh, the conversation is taking place more. I know down in Olympia and the governor and the elected officials, it's more part of the conversation of, you know, what do we need to do with Growth Management Act and the uh, urban growth boundaries. So I don't think the answers are there yet, but at least it's a part of the conversation where they know there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think your your uh, local officials, both at the city level and at the county level, also understand that. So I think you know part of the solution is uh, is our elected officials taking this issue on seriously. Yes. I mean, with the homeless issue, mm-hmm. uh, affordable housing issue, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, sometimes we'll have an issue, but our elected officials aren't willing to, uh, aren't necessarily willing uh, yet to discuss it and try to yeah. find some answers. But I believe because of, of how you sit in the paper almost every week, uh, they, they're fully aware of, of, of the problem that we have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one, just making sure we get them to the table and have those, those conversations. I think the second thing is helping people understand all the extra things that are placed upon the cost of housing, you know, lack of buildable lands. It's yes. a big issue. And with the urban growth boundaries, uh, uh, there's good, but there's uh, some consequences to that because you have, as I said, you know, less and less land to build upon. Mm-hmm. So that land's getting more and more expensive, and that just gets transferred to the end user. So, I think we need to figure out, you know, how we're going to, you know, how we're going uh, you know, to uh, accommodate all this growth that's coming. Yeah. People may not want growth, but it's coming. But it's coming. Yeah, no, no it, option there. There's no option there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, and then also the other part is just the regulatory costs. I think you know we all want to be. Uh, good to the environment and make sure, sure that we have a place that, that we love to live in. And that's one of the reasons why people are, are so attracted to it. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's one of the best places to live in the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we have to try to find what's balanceable, you know, make sure you know, it's fair and balanced in regards to the regulatory costs that we place upon uh, the building that's being done as well. So, I, I, you know, between the, you know, how we're going to handle the Growth Management Act, uh, what are we going to do with regulatory costs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, how are we going to approach um, uh, affordable housing and make sure that elected officials are trying to find that balance between building and not building? Mm-hmm. 
I, 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 I don't Who have knows? an answer. I don't have an answer for Dang you. Dang it! I was hoping uh, I'd bring you in here, Shannon. You'd have all the solutions yeah. and all the answers. Well, so. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, if I did, you, you, yeah. you, I don't, I don't know where I'd be, but I'm probably Thanks not right here. Be yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, we'll, we'll find the answers. Yeah. I mean, people are doing great work out there. Yeah. And I think uh, people understand the issues that we have, mm-hmm. both on, in the Democratic Party and in the Republican Party. We have good people who have a big concern and are trying to do good work. Yeah. And I believe in the next few years we'll, we'll, we'll continue to find that answer. Well said. i got to wrap up my time here, but I want to give a call to action. So what, sure. would, your, what would you tell my listeners if, they, if there's something that they can do to help? Well, I think the big thing is just get involved with your, uh, uh, your local officials mm-hmm. and uh, with the planning that they're doing. Every city is going through a lot of planning right now. And uh, when you see there's a notice about wanting to invite uh, 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 members or, or neighbors to, to come in and have a discussion about growth, go yeah. and, and, and uh, share your feelings. That's important. Perfect. Well, thank you. Shannon, thanks for coming into the studio. Really appreciate oh, it. My pleasure. Thanks. Coming up next on the Money Hour, before purchasing a home, is it feng shui? Having a conversation with Vivian Peterson with Windermere Real Estate Shoreline right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Is bad credit holding you back from getting a loan? The credit experts at SW Group can help you get back on the right track. Their team of experts has helped hundreds of people across the country fix their credit and get approved for the home of their dreams. Take charge of your financial future today. Call Scott Schaff at 954-531-2153. Again, that's Scott Schaff at 954-531-2153. Vivian Peterson is your local real estate professional with Windermere Shoreline. Over the past 30 years, Seattle has flourished into a booming metropolitan city, and Vivian has had the pleasure to experience it all. She is always looking forward to helping new families and friends with their next move. Find her online at VivianPeterson.com. Hi, I'm Vivian Peterson. Give me a call at 206-818-8020 or email me at vpeterson at windermere.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 24th show. I'm dedicated to my listeners, providing you with the tools needed to make informed decisions on all matters regarding your money. If you're here on my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast to talk with the guests that I have in studio. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 400 1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, Vivian Peterson with Windermere Real Estate Shoreline. Before purchasing a home, uh, is it feng shui? We're going to talk about feng shui, what that is, and how to uh, recognize a home that meets those requirements. Vivian, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Very excited for our conversation today. Thanks for inviting me again. And a little bit about Vivian. Prior to joining the world of real estate, Vivian was a successful entrepreneur and restaurant owner. She has become an expert in providing clients with what they want and need in their next new home. She enjoys spending time with her daughter, exploring the outdoors, boating on the Puget Sound, and has a passion for cooking. As a Seattle native, Vivian has extensive knowledge of the different cities and neighborhoods across the region. She serves King and Snohomish County, specializing in homes by buying and selling first-time home buyers 
relocation, and luxury homes. So talking about feng shui, what that means, and uh, how to, to recognize if your home is feng shui, first, what is feng shui? Well, Tina, this is a simple question that can be quite difficult to answer. Um, but basically, it's, it's an ancient art and science that developed in China over 3,000 years ago. And it teaches us how to balance the energies in any given space, whether that's your home, office, or your garden. Uh, feng, feng means wind, and shui means water. And in the Chinese culture, wind and water are, so, are, are associated with good health. And so feng shui came to mean good, for, good fortune. Mm-hmm. And good fortune comes in many ways, such as better health, successful career, fulfilling love life, um, just any, you know, and it provides detailed t- tips for almost any area of your life. That sounds beautiful. And I, you know, uh, just being in the, a, a great space to help everything in your life is, is, is important. And I totally uh, believe in feng shui, don't have a big knowledge on it. So it's, that's why I was excited about our conversation. But I know you talk about five important things to look to ensure that your home does have good feng shui. What are those? Uh, number one, location, neighborhood, and placement. Two, a strong front door. Three, a front door, back door, and all the doors in the hu- in the house. Um, they've got to function properly, and they don't squeak, or um, and they need to be nice. Um, and of, of and usually, and also avoid a home with a direct door alignment. Uh, four, the main entrance and entryway, and five, the room positioning, like where the kitchen is, the bedrooms, mm-hmm. bathrooms, like the entire floor floor p- plan. So let's talk about the front door. Uh, What is so important about the front door? Well, the front door is very important feng shui, no matter if we are speaking of the front door of your home or the front door of your your business. Um, It has to have an unobstructed flow of energy. um, And that when you open the front door, all the good energy you want all the good energy to come into your home mm-hmm. right and opportunities and so around your front door it should be kept clean and fresh uh, a meandering path with uh, beautiful plants or even a water feature will bring in good fortune to the occupants of the home now i've heard with feng shui in your office that it's not good for you to be sitting with your back towards the door is that correct Correct. Yeah, that would make sense that you it would be you know blocking the good energy to come in maybe. Right, but there's always a cure um, if you can't if there's no other way that you can move your desk. Okay. Uh, you could put a little mirror off to the side so okay. that you could look behind you. Got it. So feng shui also offers little cures um, when you're unable to really change something around. Uh-huh. And especially in this market when there's only so much inventory out there when you find a house, it'd be nice to be able to, to make it feng shui when it's the only option that's available. So I'm assuming that you uh, you believe in feng shui and, and you is, is everything set up for you that way as well? I try my best. Uh-huh. Uh, personally, I have feng shui'd out my office and, uh, and my home and uh, it's not like my life is perfect or anything but when I come home I feel 
relaxed and peaceful and uh-huh. I have a nice environment. Well, I know that you're a relaxed and peaceful person and you have a <laughs> successful business and successful life. So um, it sounds like it's working for, uh, for you, Vivian. So how do you apply it when your clients, whether you're selling their home or that they're purchasing, how are you applying your expertise in this area? Do you talk about it with all your clients or only clients that you find that are interested in um, feng shui? Well, um, I, it, it depends. Some people are strictly black and white focused on getting a home and they're not into, you know, the design or, you know, or they want to, or they want to just f- flip it or change it around or uh-huh. invest in it. So with those people, um, and it depends on how spiritual a person is or how open-minded they are, uh, you know, you got to feel them out. But for most of my clients, they do want a home that has good feng shui. It has a nice floor plan. Um, you know, so the very first thing I do with them is I look at the front door and the main entrance, all the doors and windows, the bedroom location and design, the kitchen design and placement, the staircase design and placement, bathrooms, laundry rooms, closet storage. Um, and... I think it's really important to hire a realtor that understands feng shui principles because sometimes there are easy solutions and they don't need a lot of money to fix. Uh-huh. Um, and also to recognize um, certain homes that are really not good feng shui, such as split, split level homes. Well, I think with all the, you know, the um, certain cultures that have a lot more that are into feng shui, it's important as far as resale as well, because we have so many uh, and diversity of people that are coming in and buying homes. I know back in 2004, when I purchased my home, Vivian, we actually had um, uh, an uh, Asian gal that knocked on my door and was willing to pay us almost anything, not anything, but more than what the home was worth. And we had just bought it because she said it had such good feng shui and I thought that's crazy but anyways um lighting is is lighting important when it comes to feng shui yes it is yeah to to make sure that you have good light Mm -hmm. I would imagine uh light would have a lot to do with the the energy yeah also where you place the where the placement of your lighting as well some some corners some areas might need brighter light Uh light light is fire so make sure that that's the element of that corner. Okay. Um, in feng shui, there's um, a tool that they use. It's called the bagua, and that has the nine elements of your life. Okay. And that is, and so you put it over your floor plan. Um, as you enter, that's your career. Off to the right is your helpful people, like your clients and your traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, as you go up to the right in the middle, that is your creativity, your children. Um, off to the right at the very end, that's your love life. Okay. okay. And then um, uh, when you're looking at the house and, and then when you're entering and in the middle of the house, that's your health. Off to the end is your fame and fortune. To the left is your prosperity. Then it's your family. And then it's your knowledge. So if I'm hearing that correctly, fame and fortune, you'd probably want your office space around there. Your love life, that's where you'd want your master bedroom, right? Right. Yeah. Now, in, in the office, I know is certain places that you're supposed to put, and probably just what you were saying there as well, where you're going to put your awards versus where you're going to hang up. You hang your awards versus putting up your hanging your family photos. Well, I think a, a nice placement for an office would be on your helpful people uh, off to the right. So as you enter your home off to the right, I think that's the best place for an office. Yes. Okay. So do you have any uh, uh, 
enhancements that it's had for your clients and their lives? Yes, actually, um, one of my clients, uh, their marriage improved when I found them a home that did not have the love life um, cut off. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they had a more intimate bedroom setting. Uh-huh. And um, another one of my clients has gotten a promotion, um, better health, uh, fertility with uh, another one. They were able to conceive. Yeah. Um, and just a more balanced lifestyle. Huh, that's mm-hmm. great. So what about staging? Uh, when you're listing a home for a seller, do you bring feng shui into the staging to help the home be more appealing and maybe get more offers? Well, I guess we don't need any, we don't have a challenge with offers, but getting more <laughs> higher price for those homes. Oh, absolutely. Your home uh-huh. will sell for a lot more uh-huh. money um, when you apply feng shui. So, Vivian, um, we understand that a lot of homes in Seattle may uh, may not be built with the feng shui principles and the layout. You talked about split-level homes. Um, and, again, it would take out the market of possibly of those people that are really um, uh, feng shui is a big part of their lives. So what other easy solutions can – How is there a solution for a split home? If you've, if you've got a split home, is there a way to, to help make that more feng shui? <laughs> Well, they say if you place a crystal or a crystal chandelier between the door and the um, the stairway, uh-huh. that can um, that can hold the energy there and disperse it. Okay. Um, the whole thing about split levels is that it goes up and down the stairs and it goes out the door. So whatever you and and there isn't like a main entryway. Okay. It's kind of. It goes really quick. It's split. It so splits. it's splitting up that, that mm-hmm. dynamic. Mm-hmm. You okay. want to be able to walk into your front door and have a, an entryway, place uh-huh. some pretty flowers or something that invites you in, and then look at your living room or mm-hmm. look at something really pretty. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's different cures that you can do. Um, a lot of homes in Seattle that I go walk through uh, don't have good feng shui, but you can tear down a wall, you can move them around, you can fix it. You can okay. do, you can do little little things that are really really important, but the most important thing to do is to look at your front main door. All right. So, if we're talking about condos and apartments, a little bit different than, you know, having a grand entry with your home with, you know, a staircase that's welcoming. So, how is it different with condos uh, or apartments? You want to place the bagua over your layout. So it's really easy. Um, and then you want to put uh, every you want to design it accordingly to that. Um, and pretty much it's common sense, like where you should pl- put a plant or, you know, what area, um, what to do for the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think bedrooms should be comfortable, romantic. Um, there should always be a set of two drawers. Um, there, even if you're single, um, just keeping it really intimate. Okay. So there's, and then you would, you should look outside of the area of the condo Mm -hmm. unit and make sure that it's kept up. It's clean. It has some beautiful, it's inviting. It has beautiful plants. So, um, yeah, very easy to, to do with uh, both apartment and condo. And I kind of think it's, Common sense. I'm, I mean, if you walk into a home or, and you don't feel good, like mm-hmm. there's a something negative there, then that's your first 
clue that something's not right. Got it. Or if you're not feeling that inviting mm-hmm. um, energy, because I know if we've all walked into places where it just doesn't feel inviting, it feels closed in and uh, yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for talking a little bit about feng shui. And uh, where would my listeners get more uh, resources? I'd imagine online there's plenty of resources, but you ever hire a feng shui expert to come in and, and help you if you really want to uh, dial in deep with that? Oh, yeah. There's uh, plenty of feng shui experts mm-hmm. um, and lots of information online. Yeah. Yeah, and good books. Perfect. Vivian, thank you so much for uh, coming back in studio. Look forward to having you back again. Thank you, Tina. You're welcome. Coming up next to the Money Hour, credit understanding and credit repair with Scott Chaff with SW Group right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Vivian Peterson is your local real estate professional with Windermere Shoreline. Over the past 30 years, Seattle has flourished into a booming metropolitan city, and Vivian has had the pleasure to experience it all. She is always looking forward to helping new families and friends with their next move. Find her online at vivianpeterson.com. Hi, I'm Vivian Peterson. Give me a call at 206-818-8020 or email me at vpeterson at windermere.com. Is bad credit holding you back from getting a loan? The credit experts at SW Group can help you get back on the right track. Their team of experts has helped hundreds of people across the country fix their credit and get approved for the home of their dreams. Take charge of your financial future today. Call Scott Schaff at 954-531-2153. Again, that's Scott Schaff at 954-531-2153. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Well, welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, June 24th show. I've built a network of elite industry professionals each week sharing their knowledge and expertise for my listeners. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 411.50 or go online at moneyhour.com to discuss anything regarding uh, money or chat with the guests that I have in studio today. And in studio right now, Scott Chafe with SW Group and talking on understanding credit and credit repair. Scott, thank you so much for joining me again. Always great to be back, Tina. So let's go ahead and start out the show with uh, enhancement standards. I know that there's some enhancement standards going on with uh, implemented in July 1st regarding judgments. Can you talk a little bit about that, Scott? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And this is something that's brand new to the credit industry that a lot of people are not aware of. It's effective July 1st, and they're going to start implementing it July 10th. And what it is is it's the standardization of public records. So they're basically enhancing their standards on what public records can be provided on the credit report. So we're going to see a lot of people have a lot of judgments and about half the tax liens fall off their credit reports because they don't meet the enhanced standards. There's been so many errors. What what the CRAs, credit repair agencies, are trying to do is they're trying to step up their game and, and provide more accurate data. But it's going to be a great overhaul. The bankruptcies are going to pretty much meet the standard 
but we're going to see a lot of judgments fall off and about 50 percent of tax liens that are out there are going to come off people's credit reports as well. So how are they coming off? What is the what areas are going to see that things are missing where those judgments and, and uh, tax liens are not going to be on the credit report anymore? Well, it's going to happen during the week of July 10th. Mm-hmm. They're going to remove what, what's going to happen is the CRAs. And when I say CRAs, I mean Equifax, Experian and Transient okay. credit reporting agencies. What they're going to do is they're going to remove from their databases previously collected public record data that do not meet the enhanced standards. So there's going to be a lot of this data that's going to be removed. However, we're going to have to see how it goes. But I'm on the phone with our attorneys have been dealing with this all day. They, the information may perhaps come back on later on if they can meet the enhanced standards with that data. So we're going to have to wait. Like anything, we're going to have to wait and see, see how it plays how out. It plays out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I took the words right out of my mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to have to see how it goes. But well, that's why, of, of, of course, you're, and that's why credit. Um, you know, having a credit expert, if you if you have any challenges uh, going on in your credit, or maybe not even you know uh, challenges, but just not you don't have the credit s- score that you need for a particular um, uh, loan that you're trying to get. Really having an expert look at that because there are so many areas uh, that because of the uh, the rights for the consumer, if they're not getting reported the way they're supposed to, then there's ways to get those eliminated and deleted off your credit report. So going into that, let's talk about, uh, you know, what percentage of consumers do you see that actually have errors on their credit report, Scott? Wow. There's been, you know, if you, if you actually go to YouTube and you Google congressional hearings, they've done in Congress, uh, there, there's so many that are out there. It's hard to put an exact number on it, but... Mm-hmm. There's so many inaccuracies that are out there, and when you're when you're dealing with so much data, it's kind of hard to not have any errors. I mean, I've seen everything under the sun when it comes to the credit bureaus. Uh, you know, especially with our attorneys. I was just on the phone with one of our attorneys, and he was on the phone with experienced attorneys. Believe it or not, Experian is not even a U.S. company. Their headquarters are based out of Dublin, Ireland. They service 65 really? million people, and or actually 65 different countries, mm-hmm. and you know, they're not even a U.S. company. So there's there's so many things that go into it. And they got they got built up by buying data companies and all sorts and like. And mm-hmm. it, it really what it comes down to is just being aware of your credit report and knowing what's on it. You know, a lot of people don't pull their credit report. They don't know what's on it. Sure. And it's very important to do that because it's going to detect you. It's going to basically decide your entire financial future. So yes. you want to make sure that yeah. you're aware of what's on it. Makes sense. So can consumers uh, dispute items that are on their credit report on their own, or what's the best? Absolutely. It's 100% a consumer's right to dispute items on their own. Unfortunately, it's not as easy as just going and just speaking very plainly and just saying, hi, this is not accurate. Can you please fix it? Sure. It's a cat and mouse game with the credit bureaus. They outsource overseas. You're lucky if you can get someone on the phone that speaks English half the time. And they purposely try to not do their job. Because to them, the dispute, well, actually, they've monetized the dispute process to where they can actually make money off of it now. Mm -hmm. But to them, it's a nuisance. They don't want to do their, they just want to sell everything, make a ton of money. And if there's errors here and there, they don't care. So we hold them accountable. Having and knowing and understanding what the uh, the rights are for the consumer, yeah, I always say uh, the credit consumer or the uh, credit agencies are not in the business for customer service. They don't have to be, so that adds a whole layer of inconvenience if you and really don't know how to see the It can be of very course. frustrating. I've had I've had people that have sued 
and and made millions off the bureaus. We actually sue all the time and mm-hmm. get damages for our clients. I mean, we don't want it to come to that, but sure. we're not just going to allow them blatantly break the law and not be held accountable. I mean, that's just not acceptable. So, Scott, what about proactive steps that consumers can take to improve their existing credit? Great question. Number one thing you can do, the most actionable method, is pay down your balances. That's something you can do right away and you have complete control of. There's a magic number. It's 30%. Anytime, there's what's called a utilization ratio, which obviously you're aware of. Anytime your balances on your credit cards overall, with all of them combined, goes above 30%, that's going to harm your credit score. Mm -hmm. If it's below 30%, that's going to help you. So that's that number, 30%. If you have high balances on your credit cards, it's going to harm you. You want to keep your balances low. So that's the first thing you can do. And it depends if you're in a position where you'll get approved for unsecured cards or if you have to go the route of getting secured credit cards or or other options to put positive items in your report. But the the most actionable method by far, pay down your balances. And always pay on time. Of course. Those two make up 65% of the pie chart. So you hear a, a difference between a lot of times people think that it's um, they don't know if it's all together. The revolving credit cards all added up together. 30 percent of that or 30 percent of the individual cards on their own. It's overall. Yes. If, okay. if it's on one card above 30 percent, but on another, you have zero balances on a mm-hmm. bunch. Like, for example, let's say that. So all switching from one card to another is not going to help because they're totaling all the revolving debt. And Exactly. So if you have five credit cards at $2,000 limits each, your total is $10,000 limits. Yes. And if your total combined balances is 5000 your utilization ratio is 50% because that's half. So it's all of them combined. Yep. So if you can't, if you don't have the resources to pay them down, uh, seeing if you can increase those limits to where you can Absolutely. get over that, that threshold makes total sense. Because the opposite is true. If you pay down the balances, that's one way. But if you increase your credit limits, then the opposite is yes. true. So your utilization percentage drops down. So if you had that 10000 just the example that I gave, mm-hmm. if you add another $5,000, you have $15,000 limits and $5,000 balances. Now you're down to 33%. Yes. Yep. So you can edit the, it's the opposite is true. So yes. it's, it's a percentage. Of, yep. Okay. So let's uh, talk about Fair Credit or Fair Debt Collection Practice Act. What is it and how does it protect the consumer? Back in 2010, the FACTA Act was amended via Section 623, which allows the consumer to dispute directly with the collection company. So what that means is, in layman's terms, is we can go and we can demand the original accounts. The the federal law you've just stated, the Fair Debt Collection Practice Act, it mandates collection companies and how they have to conduct themselves. And we can go after them and demand the original account signature, payment history, and a plethora of other items. And unfortunately, Tina, what happens a lot of times, as we all know, the collection companies, I mean, I've, I've seen them abuse federal law left and right every sure. day um, on their practices, but they just buy the debt in bulk, and they don't care if they have the right paperwork or not. They don't even have the paperwork. They just mm-hmm. take the word of whoever they buy it from and throw it on your credit report. But they don't have anything to, to even know if that is even a valid amount, the account history. They don't care. They just buy it in bulk and just throw it in your report and just go from there and say, hey, anybody that challenges on it, maybe we'll delete it, maybe we won't, but 
depends on the collection company, but that's what they do, and it's, mm-hmm. it's against federal law, and they get away with it every day, and we hold them accountable. Yep, and that's how you get those items deleted. I've got uh, just a, a less than a minute here, but I want to ask you, uh, inquiries, are there, because there's they have to provide documentation on inquiries as well, otherwise those inquiries can come off your credit, which can affect your credit score with too many of those. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, and the worst thing is, and this is a good tip to, to everyone listening, when okay. you go to a car dealership, do not allow them to go in the back and run your credit with 50 different banks yes. and just run rampant with your credit because I see that all the time. Make sure that you explain to them that you want to know exactly who they are running your credit through mm-hmm. and exactly what bank they're running your credit through and say, do not go back behind the curtain and run my credit all over the place. I want you to put exactly who you're running it through, which bank, because otherwise you're gonna it'll, it can harm your credit and I'll have to go and fix the disastrous situation of all those inquiries on yeah. so that's a good tip for everyone as well well perfect thank you well thanks for uh, keeping my listeners update on uh, the new uh, new changes that are coming up here and hopefully that'll help uh, a lot of people with those judgments and tax liens and maybe they can get those removed and you know thanks for the assistance that you are uh, for my clients that are in need of credit repair. Yes, and if they need anything, give the show a call, and we'll be more than happy to provide them assistance with anything. Wonderful, Scott. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. You're welcome. And that is the show. This is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather here in the Northwest. And I look forward to talking with you Monday, next Saturday, same time, same place, right here on 1150 AM at KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.